tell them here and let them be Well, I got something deep inside of me I can't hide it anymore It needs to be so free There's no Okay, everyone. Hello. Welcome to the show. My guest uh, is a multi-hyphenate filmmaker, artist, writer, actor, which I can tr- say is legit. Uh, this is Nathan Ramos Park. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so uh, I'm already nervous. I'm already nervous. Well, let me let me ask you something that I think uh, would maybe be kind of a softball question because this is something that's already out in the world and. I know you you put this out pretty recently, maybe like a year ago. Um, so we know we know each other, but we don't know each other quite well yet. But I'm sure after this episode, we'll be you know each other pretty well if you t- tell a pretty you know private untold story. But uh, I watched your gay Asian country song. Oh, thank you! Thanks yeah. for watching. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and uh, I wanted to ask just kind of from the you know behind the scenes of like what inspired you to do that because it's uh i found it kind of unapologetic fun funny but also like it definitely was like a oh i'm i'm, I'm doing something that people wouldn't expect me to do as well so maybe yeah. feel like this is a, a question that'll ease you into kind of you know telling your story but yeah just curious what how yeah, it came yeah. about absolutely well i mean I kind of grew up, you know, near the cornfields in Ohio, half an hour south of, um, you know, Cleveland, like half an hour north, like 20 minutes north of Amish country. So, you know, I grew up, you know, really kind of loving country music, listening to country music, wanting to be a country star growing up. I, you know, like one Ohio idol when I was um, like 18 years old, you know, and and I, I, I like, and on American Idol for a split second, you know, when I was 17, you know, and so I just kind of, you know, like, have always loved singing, you know, like, yeah, and so I just, you know, I, but I was always told I could never be a country singer, and so, yeah, so I just kind of, you know, gosh, that was, I mean, so, I mean, I'm, I'm still only 19, but no, I'm just kidding, I'm not, no, I'm now in my 30s, you know, and, but um, when I had written um, Gay Asian Country Love Song, I was working for this sketch comedy show, and, you know, everybody on the show that I worked with was white, you know, and was straight. And so, you know, every week we would get our pitches together and you'd just like pitch all of your sketch ideas to see if they could get greenlit. Um, and I, you know, had pitched Gage and Country Love Song like maybe like four weeks in a row. I was just like, listen, I'm a country singer. I can sing. I can play piano, play guitar. I can produce this song. Like just please green light it and please green light it. And they were just like, all just like, we don't get it. Why would this be funny? We don't get it, you know, kind of thing. No one was on the same page. And so finally I just like got kind of sick of it. So I went home and I just like recorded the song and I like came in with a guitar and like played the song live and they were just like, oh, okay, we finally get it. And so they finally green lit it. And so that's, you know, that's where the music video came from. But it was, 
I mean, like the music video, it's like, yes, it's like a funny, you know, it's very clearly like a parody of country music, but I mean, it's, it's also like a love letter to country music too. And it's a love letter to, you know, the, the, there's two like leads in it and one's Filipino, one's Korean. I made sure like the cast that like that, I'm, I'm half Korean, half Filipino. My mom was a pig farmer in Korea, you know, and then my dad was a Filipino, um, you know, like military brat, you know, he was like, you know, the man's man, you know, he was like state champion wrestler, went to West Point, was, you know, got stationed in Korea, met my mom, and that's kind of how they ended up in the cornfields of Ohio randomly. But like, I mean, it was just kind of like a love letter to like where I've come from and a, a love letter to comedy that's like, you know, so often we see comedy through this, you know, white American straight lens, you know, and so what happens when, you know, you get to actually get the tools to, you know, bring something that you love to life. And I think it resonated with me because it, it came from a place of love. It clearly wasn't like me trying to take down country music. It was like, I love this and I want to be a part of this. And I'm not allowed to be. And so now that I'm given the opportunity, I want to just kind of go off a little bit. Yeah, no, I, uh, I could, you could tell that like, it, it was like, not just like satire, but you, I felt like you actually are a country music singer, right? Like it's like I had that and then it had some subversive, subversive elements, you know, if we're, if we're, if we're getting intellectual with it, like, you know, that you kind of challenge some, some tropes, some stereotypes that exist out in the world about country music or being um, gay or, or being Asian. Um, you kind of like sprinkle all those like kind of comments in about, about that too. So, uh, so well done. Uh, and I, I, uh, I hope I hope that puts you in a good mood or gets you a little bit more comfortable to tell a story for the entire world that you've never shared publicly, <laughs> which I always feel kind of guilty, not guilty when uh, I ask uh, friends and colleagues to just kind of come on and share a story, especially and I've had a lot of storytellers like yourself. So people that are used to telling stories that they spend hours, days, months crafting and pitching and rehearsing and you know to try to get that made those things made now you can't do any of that it's like off the cuff you maybe had I don't know at the time of this recording maybe a week to think about how you're gonna like tell it but it's not flushed you know out or like there's no one you shared it with prior so you know so thanks in advance uh, for what we're about to hear and I'm pretty excited to see where this goes and I can't believe you're on American Idol that's a tangent we'll have to talk about another time i suppose yeah yeah <laughs> i feel like i i feel like i saw you it was wild i feel like i saw you because i was a super fan of that show i feel like i saw you i just i if you were on television i feel i think it was episode season four maybe season four or five gosh i was still dialed in season four, okay so okay okay you were on television then i saw you yeah hot second for a hot second <laughs> but no I what was so funny was it's just like I feel like my whole life I'm such an open book I'm always just like immediately you know like I'm like like always just like let me let me tell you what happened you know like I'm so like actually it was really fun to kind of I literally like even just had recently kind of like written down like what are every single one of my memories you know kind of thing and trying to like sift through it so I was like sifting through all these like files of, like have I ever told this story have I ever told this story and so this is this is actually like exciting and a little nervous but like i can't i'm i'm also because we don't know each other that well I'm, i feel like i'm just like you're gonna 
judge me? <laughs> no, I uh, I judge no one because I've heard a lot of really interesting things from different colleagues and some I know well, better than others, but even people I know really well, you know, when they're throwing something out that like I've never heard of before because for various reasons, you know, it's still like a bit of a shocker too because you're like, oh, so no, uh, please don't. Uh, this is a, a space for you to share uh, to all the listeners out there and I can confirm there are some that listen in parts of the world I would never expect, or they have an IP address that is linked to some part of the country and they're, and they live in California. Like, I don't really know, but Hey, cool. Uh, so yeah, yeah. whenever, whenever you, you're ready to go, let's, uh, let's hear it. And then we can kind of chat about it after. Awesome. Awesome. So I guess kind of, cause I've, I've listened to other people talk, tell their stories and some of them, you know, tell the pieces of what it's going to be. And then they go into the story. Um, and I was just really debating what, which way I should go, but I think I just want to give you the taste of what it is and then we can just hop on the ride and go. Um, so this is a story, kind of how I inadvertently got into, um, sex work. So hold on, hold into sex work. Are you ready? <laughs> yeah, I'm already, yeah, I'm already dialed in. I'm already, I'm locked in. Great, great. That's um, amazing, amazing yeah, well, because I think that, you know, like there's so many, especially being an Asian American man, you know, there's so much taboo around our sexuality. There's so much kind of the media is constantly telling us that, you know, we're ugly, we're non-sexual beings, we like, you know, don't have dicks. And when we do have dicks, they're so small, you know, like all this kind of, you know, like, just like almost like crushing weight that almost people don't really address, you know, in in media. And then when Asian men bring it up, you know, it's like, oh, like you're just bitter and angry, you know, kind of thing. And, so there's, and then, and so there's this kind of, you know, almost like suffering in silence. And so, you know, I, um, you know, I, just, I said I was from Ohio before. And so I really thought, you know, after college, like my life is going to change, you know, I'm going to move to Cleveland, you know, this big city and, you know, my life's going to change and like, I'm going to get a boyfriend and like my life's going to change. And, but it actually didn't, you know, I like moved to Cleveland and I thought, and, you know, being in Cleveland, especially, you know, being Asian, there's just not a lot of Asian people around. So, you know, like there was either just this like fetishization or just kind of like, who are you kind of thing? Like, like, why would you even message me? You know, I even did a, I did a um, experiment where I, um, you know, like my roommate was more gorgeous and white guy, you know, and he would just get millions and millions of messages on all these hookups. Um, it was it was even before the smartphone. So it was like on all these like internet, you know, websites and everything. And so like, I even did this test of, you know, like um, I made three profiles. One profile was um, my body. And then another profile, I looked up hot Asian male. And then I put up um, just like a, average white guy picture and then you know it's of course the average white guy got a, so many hits the asian guy got two hits and they were both men over 50 and then like my torso got like 15 hits and then, but then when they found out i was asian only one person wanted to be talking to me so i like had convinced myself you know put myself on this spiral kind of like i'm undesirable and because i'm undesirable like my personality spiraled and so you know i thought you know when I go, if I just go to New York, everything's going to be different. Everything's going to change, you know, like people are going to love me, you know, like Asians are going to be wanted there. And so, you know, two years later, I moved to New York and, you know, I was just, and I was just, I just realized, oh, it's, it's more of the same thing. It's just a bigger pond and everybody just moved to New York to, 
you know, to, to exist there. And yeah, there may be more people that want that like you. That's part of the small percentage, but that small percentage still exists when you scale it up. And it kind of just kind of wrecked me a little bit. And so I was just kind of like, oh, it's all my fault and everything. And so, you know, like, but during that time, I kind of, you know, New York City was this kind of like, I had been, I had been grown, I grew up evangelical Christian, you know, like so much, so it's just like, don't really celebrate birthdays, like don't really get, you know, Christmas presents, like everything is about God, you know, could only listen to Christian talk radio. And so like, I wilded out, I created, David, I created a bucket list um, for New York City, you know, like, it's like a bucket list for sex. And so like, you know, I was so intense on, you know, checking off this list in New York going by any means necessary. And it was just this kind of like to prove that I was, you know, desirable. And so, you know, like I, and throughout that, I actually, you know, like, it's like, you know, we kind of are told constantly, like Asians are undesirable. So I had internalized that, you know, and um, like, I was like, oh, I'm not into Asians, you know, kind of thing. But, um, you know, and so this, what happened though, was like, I, I, you know, went on the date with this, um, this Korean guy, and it was actually great. And then, you know, but then it, it didn't work out. That's another story. He basically broke up with me, like gave me Kelly Clarkson tickets. And then so I had to like leave New York. because I was like, this is, how dare you? You know, so I never, I never got to go to that concert. But um, I like, you know, I had been still dating these like, really garbage people, you know, because it's like, you only date what you think you're worth kind of thing. And so like, my last straw was I went on this, on this date with this, this other Korean guy. So I was really kind of like, you know, like, cause it really honestly it clicked for me. It was just like, oh, like, I don't have to tell you what my life is. I don't have to tell you like, you know, my entire backstory and tell you what my food is and my culture is. And so I, you know, like I was like, and he, I was just like, this is great. And so after our first date, he's like, hey, do you mind if I like stay the weekend? And I was like, sure, you know, whatever. And you know, the doorbell rings, I open the door and he has like two large carry-ons. And it turns out he had, he was homeless and he just like moved into my room in my apartment. Eh? And like, I already have like, it was a four bedroom, one bathroom. It was like a garbage New York apartment, like cockroaches, rats, like, and like, but like, and I was just like, but that was like the moment where I was just, like, I need to, I need to respect myself more. Like I need to get it together. And I ended up booking um, like the first professional cast of Mulan um, for on, on stage. And so like, and so I went and done that show. I, and I, and it came back to New York. And during that show, I was like, um, there's me and my really good friends. Um, we were roommates and we worked out every day and I got like ripped. I like got my dream body, like yeah. super hot. And I was just like, here I am, let's go. And so I came back to New York, like, feeling myself, you know, and, um, you know, so I literally, I, um, I go, um, you know, we go out with like the weekend that I get back to New York and we go out and, um, you know, I'm like having time out and it's kind of the first time I realized like, oh, like, you know, part of what I felt about myself was real, you know, like people, you know, like people are, are trained not to like Asian people, you know, and so like, there's a whole population of people that, yeah, they would look at me or they'd roll my, their eyes or whatever, but there is a whole population that was missing that, you know, now that I kind of had this love for myself, they were looking, they, I was seeing people that were looking at me, you know, and so um, all my roommates, though, like they had gone off in the night, and so like my, my, my ritual 
in New York was to close the bars down at 4 a.m. and then go to um, Famous Amadeus Pizza on 51st and 8th, I think 52nd and 8th, and um, get a chicken parmesan and a um, two slices of cheese pizza. And so I like was, I was wasted. I was like eating this chicken parmesan and I get this message on Grindr. And it's this guy and he's just like, oh, do you want to hang out? And I was just like, sure, you know, like, oh, and like, and also like this, it's like, I was like, the aura is working because like, I had Grindr, you know, all the other years in New York before, before this, but like, it's just like, oh, I'm putting the energy out into the universe, you know, like people in the universe in ether can feel my energy. And so like, they then, um, you know, so I go over to this person's place and, you know, we, we hook up, it's this like silver fox, you know, this penthouse at Columbus Circle, you know, and, you know, he's this like giant hundred inch flat screen TV. And I'm just like, ooh, ooh, like this is the life. I am living it. And like, um, and then, so, you know, like the, the fireworks happen and I'm like, man, this is great. You know, and I'm walking out and he goes, oh, you're a, your cab fare is on the counter and he winks at me and I'm just like excuse me and he's just like your cab fare is on the counter and he, he just like winks at me and again and I look over and there's a hundred dollars on the counter and I was like oh like because I put up this picture of myself like he thought I was a prostitute and then I like even like looked back and text and he had like a dollar sign and like and like for like the word like he's yes I was single and he had like a dollar sign and, and like I was just too drunk to register like oh dollar sign meant like you want to pay me and so I just literally like I had this moment where I was just like am I going to be am I going to be a prostitute you know like am I going to like cross that threshold you know and um, honestly like those three Chipotle burritos and that Blu-ray DVD of Pacific Rim was worth it. 100% worth it. And, you know, I mean, like, it just kind of went to this kind of, you know, like having this list of, you know, like checking off, you know, sexual things, you know, like, I mean, like wild things, David, wild things, you know, and like, you know, like how many dicks is too much? I can tell you the number. It's this many. I'm holding up five fingers, America. That's too many. That's, that is a secret. But I mean, like, I, what, what I realized was just like, you know, from all of this is that, like, I think I was just so scared to kind of, like, just say yes to things in my life and just kind of push my life to the, to the edges and crevices of where it could go. And I think that moment, like, truly was this, this light bulb being like, oh, like, even just sex work in general, it's like not, it's not something to be, to be like, you know, shameful or it's not something that like you know is 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 something that's gonna like you know like be this red letter on your existence you know like and it's been interesting because I mean like you know I've I in New York like I a lot of my friends were you know were part-time sex workers you know because you know like th that city is unlivable and so it's kind of like how do you get by in a way and to me that was this kind of way of you know, being like, why is there stigma on certain things in our lives, you know, and, and it's kind of like, it came back to like, being an Asian American man of being this, like, there was there's so much stigma that I have about myself, and rules that I've created for my existence. And it was just such an easy way to kind of break that down. And now, it didn't always work out, you know, like the next person that I caught with a dollar sign, I literally was like, okay, he was this six foot two model. 
and I, I go up to his, you know, penthouse at like at 34th and 6th, and, you know, I like get, get to his place, and this white man is in a kimono, and he made me, he said, do you want, what did he say? Well, genmata, genmata? He was like, and he was like trying to speak Japanese and Chinese, and he had all these posters of China up on the wall, and, um, it was insane. So that is just a thing. <laughs> like, you know, also like sometimes you just don't realize, you know, like when you're living these things, people on the outside, they're like, oh my God, that's so dangerous. That's so crazy. But it's just like, you know, I was just like really enjoying living, you know, and, and like in these wild situations. And so like, I'm like at times, like really kind of shocked by what life I live, but like, at the same time, now I'm just like so happy that I have all these life experiences. And even now, like I'm, I'm a sex columnist. You know, I have I have a um on, on like a fun little side hustle. I write these sex columns for this sex blog. And you know, like this month is did you know this month is National Anal August month? And so like we're so you know it's just like if I wouldn't have had these life experiences, I would not be able to write all these articles about rimming, David. And, um, right. yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, can I, can I do some rapid fire catch up questions? Yeah. Cause you mentioned like totally. so much, uh, uh, so, so, okay. Uh, so when you went to New York, was it to pursue like a performing career, like, like acting, Broadway, singing at yeah. first? Yeah. So I was a teacher in, in Ohio for two years. I taught in inner city Cleveland all over Cleveland teaching theater. And then I moved to New York for five years. And it was so funny because one of the last conversations I had in Ohio was with this like jaded theater director. And she was just like, you're gonna come back to Ohio with your tail tucked between your legs and you're gonna be a failure. And I like moved to New York and in four days I booked like my first off-Broadway show. And then two months later I booked my second off-Broadway show. And I was just like, oh, like this is hard, <laughs> you know, like, but I mean like, yes, yeah, so I, I moved to New York. I, it, it was an interesting thing because I, there was this, so much kind of coded racism in the New York theater scene, you know, it's like, I'm tall, like, you know, I'm, I'm almost six feet tall. I'm like, you know, at the time it was probably like 160, you know, like I moved my face, you know, I was, I grew up in Ohio. So I like really moved my face in ways that white people really respond to, you know, I use my forehead, I have wrinkles. I like open my eyes when I use my hands. And so like, they're always like, Oh my God, like you're like a white Asian. Like, that's great. And so like, that was my first, off-Broadway audition in, in New York, like they said that to me. They're like, oh, we get so many Asian Asians in here. Like, it's so great that like, you, like you're like you here, you know, kind of thing. And I was just like, you're welcome. Like I've arrived, this like white Asian is here for you to like, you know, sweep this shit. And it's just like, it, I just felt such this like duality of like, oh my God, like I'm getting all these things because I'm tall enough, because I'm skinny enough, because my at the time my, my face was not round, you know, kind of thing. Yeah, cause I, I was gonna ask like what you were doing in New York because um, you're because of the nature of auditioning to perform, you're always being evaluated and judged and to a large degree on your appearance. And now you've actually been told certain things that are basically derogatory, you know, and, 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 and stereotypical and whatnot. And so like, I could see how like you're getting flooded with these images and thoughts that maybe you already had to some degree, but it's, it's like heightened cause you're, you know, trying to perform on stage. And, and so like, I was trying to get like the, like all right, so that was in your head, and then uh, okay, then the 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 anecdote of uh, the guy that kind of crashed at your place did did you kick him out like shortly after, or did he live with you for a while, or like he was there for like a month? 
like because I'm such a pushover like I'm so like okay like yeah that's okay you know and that week I think that week was wild I had gone on a date with a gamer that was like I'm a professional gamer and he like brought his like like his PS3 or whatever at the time over and like I beat him in a game and he got up so upset he like stormed out of my apartment kind of thing that I beat him and then like I had I had literally I think like two weeks before that I'd gone on a date with this like half Filipino, half Mexican sous chef at like one, this really big Filipino restaurant in New York. And it was like this amazingly wild time, but like he was so wild. He like ripped the buttons off my J Crew shirt and then ripped my jeans open. Like the zipper like ripped them off my body. And so like I had to like ride the train home at like four in the morning, like with like no shirt. And like, he didn't give me, I didn't even ask for shirts. I was like too drunk probably, but I like, Walk, ran home like I like again I like safety pinned my pants shut like I was like truly this like like wild week of just like I don't know what I'm doing I mean like literally like and then yeah and so I like met this I was like oh this could be the one you know and that it turned out he was he was like straight on grifter and and like but it was just so funny because my roommates were like how long is he staying and I was just like no like he's just like finding a place you know like I, like I really like him and like you know and it was just like it was just insane it was just like no like you don't like yourself and so you're letting other people like do these things kind of thing so yeah I was curious about that and then and then we jumped to uh you know you, you worked on Mulan uh, worked out got some uh, body image confidence I guess you could say and then, and then, like, uh, yeah, I just kind of so uh, the the moment where the 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 silver fox gave you a hundred the cab fare, quote unquote. Um, you, you took it. Oh, I I don't know if we covered that. You, I, well, I you, took it. I bought Pacific Rim on Blu-ray, and I went to I bought like Chipotle gift card, and like. <laughs> oh yeah, 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 right, right. Yes, that's right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You mentioned use with Yeah, well, because the reality is, is that like. You know, like, guess how much money I was making per week to do Mulan? Like, like guess how much money I was getting paid? Like 200 bucks? 200, 200, exactly, $220 a week. Like, oh, I was it's, it's, it's just, wow. yeah. I was low it's, it's just truly insane. There is just no money in theater. If someone is on Broadway, like, they're probably only making take home, like, like, between 900 and $1,100 a week in New York City. And like, that's the reality of how brutal the industry is. And so, I mean, like I was um, also in New York, I was working, you know, like um, I worked at a bunch of restaurants. I, I, I worked in restaurants for like for 10 years and I had like, um, you know, I was like an award-winning bartender for the Be Our Guest franchise. I, I felt like the, I had like the highest selling margarita on Cinco de Mayo, like in 2011. Like I helped, I worked with two different Iron Chefs and so like helped, you know, open a bar in Harlem. Like, you know, like I love, you know, like I, I, I think like that's what kept me staying in New York was like, you know, like, like getting to like, work, you know, just like getting to, because in, in, in theater, like the best person rarely gets picked, you know, there's so much other things involved in it and it's with the industry as well, you know, and, and so, but you know, when it came, when it came down to food, there's still those politics, but it's kind of like, no, you know, Manichon or Amanda Freitag, they put in their life's work to, you know, open these restaurants, you know, and like getting to kind of work with these women, like at the top of their games, you know, like literally like being like, hey, hey, Padma Lakshmi, like here's the restaurant kind of thing. And like, Stanley Rushdie, like, here you go. I, oh, and like, you know, and like getting to be like even a GM of those restaurants, you know, like, 
literally being like, yes, we will check for snipers if someone's going to try and murder you, you know, like, because he has like a popular arm. <laughs> like, it was wild, you know, and so I, I mean, like, I think theater was just something that I was doing because I thought I was supposed to, but then like, honestly, it was like bartending and like, and like, you know, like being like, you know, like the person that like people come to and, you know, like running these restaurants and really, and like even like ordering inventory, like how many lobsters are we going to sell today? Okay, let's go order, let's order that round. You know, like all those things, like that to me was like why I went to New York. It's like all those, all those like, honestly, like, bucket list experiences, learning about myself, and then realizing that, like, wh- why do I love the thing I do, you know, and, and what about it do I actually want to do, and which it, it all brought me to writing, which is kind of, like, what I'm really grateful for, ultimately, about that time, you know, in New York. Yeah, I mean, I mean, and that, that's how I know you, is through writing, um, and so did you, did you, uh, I don't did you continue the the sex work after that moment? Like how long of a period of time did you, did, or was it a one-time thing? Like, I don't. Listen, David, the rent has to be paid on the first of every month. <laughs> and Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, so what happened was we, my roommates and I, we kind of got into this rhythm. I think they'd be fine if I spoke, but, but like, you know, like we all kind of got into rhythm being like, oh, like it is much easier just to like, suck a dick and then rent gets paid magically you know like it's like like, why work three more shifts at a restaurant where I can pay my rent you know in an hour kind of thing you know and like and not in a simple way it's just like I legitimately enjoy like connecting to people in that way you know it's like in another life I would be a sex therapist or someone because I think that like we such a puritanical society where we don't teach people even how to have sex and, and, you know, like how to kiss each other, how to hold each other, you know, like we're supposed to all know and magically know all these things, you know, when we get with somebody, you know, that we're supposed to be with. It's like, it's like you're supposed to be a master of something that you never are allowed to have any practice at, you know? And so like, it's like, it, even if like our younger in sex work were legalized, it's like, I think that I would probably choose that because I, I think that it's just so important to teach people how to love their bodies and love themselves. And, you know, and, yeah, the outcome would be like, I would make some money, but like, you know, like the real, the real part of it was like, legitimately expecting someone being like, you know, like you are a nice, kind, good person that like deserves connection. And I'm sorry that the world doesn't let you feel that. And you have, and like, you know, but there are other people that are just like, yeah, I mean, like, you know, like I, I just don't like dating. I like, I like transactional situations because like, I don't want to take the time and energy to go on Tinder or Bumble or these millions of apps to find somebody. And then, then, 50 bucks on a date and then not nothing happens like it's just like I like to pay for the experience of a date and you know knowing that we're gonna hook up it takes the pressure off and it lets all these people live lives and so I think that 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 to me was just this big eye-opener you know and I mean I guess I, maybe I shouldn't say this way. we could I get all the story outside but what all I will say is it's really great to have the shoe have the shoe on the other foot and like get to patronize people in in the way that I felt like I was patronized in a way that um, I felt like, oh, this is this, I see this person having this healthy outlook on and no shame about like how they make their money and how they make their living and how that they give joy to people. And so, yeah, so I mean, all I'll say is like, I see that and hear that and, and like to see people that choose that. Yeah, no, I mean, uh... Like you said, you know, rent's got to be paid, and sometimes there's societal expectations on like, yeah, you're just supposed to like afford to live in New York, 
<laughs> you'd like no sweat. Uh, but yeah, there's realities. And, um, and I, I actually think yet, yeah, like, despite like all the regressive actions of 2020, which is when we're taping this, uh, you know, I do think there is, it, we were going in the direction of like, uh, we're calling sex work, sex work. Like I didn't grow up with sex work being called sex work. It was called far more harsher things. Um, so I think there is some, some like sort of progression in that sense and like kind of like humanizing people who are part of that, um, work and community. So, uh, no, I mean, that, so, so that's cool. So, uh, well, I, I asked, I do ask this a lot and I'm not gonna, I'm going to ask this to you too, but, um, like, how do you feel, uh, sharing this kind of a tale of uh you know essentially there was a lot of like elements to it but it, it kind of came down to like are you going to take the money or not yeah i mean you know what's funny is that like it feels both like lib- like it's like liberating as if like you're taking something off but then realizing that you're naked <laughs> <laughs> that people can see you you know like and so i it's that funny thing of like the weight off, but then you kind of think of like expectation wise, like, okay, like are people gonna, what are people gonna say about this? What are people gonna think, you know? But I mean, like, I think part of that, like that was, that, that's it's kind of why I was like really struggling with, you know, how, what story am I gonna tell, you know? Especially that I haven't really told, you know, publicly because like, and it's just like, and it's for me, like the one, the, the stories that I really resonated with was people that, you know, like told me stories that also kind of like, helped other people kind of thing you know if there's like you know like if this story you know like someone's like oh man I identify that or oh man I had those feelings but I never actually acted on them you know I think that that to me is like a win in these stories things and so it's just like I kind of like love haters and I love people that are just like oh like that's gross or whatever I'm just like okay but do you want to sign up for a session like let me know slide into the dms and I'll slide into your DM, like, you know, like, like, get, like, let's talk about it, you know, like, let's have a conversation, you know, and so I think that it's weird that we keep all these secrets to ourselves and keep all these things cloistered in ourselves. And, you know, those are the parts of storytelling in society that are actually going to, you know, like, give us wings and let us kind of fly to that next kind of, you know, place. Uh yeah, well, well said. Uh, well, well, Nathan, uh, thanks uh, so much for a very revealing story and to be uh, very open. I mean, you know, obviously you touched on subjects that, yeah, pe- people keep keep personal, keep quiet for sure. Um, so for, thanks for sharing. And yeah, hopefully uh, so, someone who's listening out here uh, can relate or just, you know, open their eyes a bit or whatever. Um, that you know, we're all better for it. So uh, I'm going to sign you off. So cool. thanks for having me. This is so fun. Yeah. And if you ever want another story, let me know. I got, I got a lot of stories. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Well, yeah, we'll have you back for uh, rounds two, three, four, five, I suppose. <laughs> just, I'll just rename the series. It's like the Nathan show. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the diary. The diary. <laughs> all right. All right. Bye. Ready for another episode? We'll check us out at beststoryinevertold.com or also find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or a number of other podcast aggregators. 
And if you're interested in sponsoring a future episode of this series, please contact us at beststoryinevertold at gmail.com. <laughs>